Honey, you best believe I'm about to get started. Well, welcome, Jack Dylan. Hello. Hello. I love the way your voice just changed right now. That was magical. You sound like a little uh, Disney prince. I I have many voices that I can do. Do you? Oh yeah, so many. I think it's just be- I think it's mostly the mic that's doing most of the work right now. It's but you do sound great. That's how you make it in Hollywood. You just buy a really expensive microphone, and then everything will come to you, and you'll book like a baddie. The craziest shit is that what you're saying is not untrue. Like I that know. that is actually partially very much the truth in Hollywood. Absolutely, it's all about appearances. I'm not talented at all. It's all about, oh, I thought you meant, like, actual appearances. I was like, you mean how you look? I was like, no, that completely goes against, it's like, you've got a, a face for radio kind of thing. No, actually, people do go off of what you look sometimes. Well, isn't that strange? Because a lot of these voiceover, web, for, for those who are just tuning in, hi, Creepers. Um, <laughs> welcome to Creep Time, the podcast. I forget welcome to do to this Creep every time. time. The now, Silas it's Dean. normally normally with Silas Dean and Stu, but Stu, I should explain. So they've missed Stu because we've been off for like three weeks. Stu was on vacation in Puerto Rico, comes back from Puerto Rico, had contracted COVID at a super spreader event. So she was sick for a week. So we couldn't do the podcast that week. Immediately she recovers and she's not contagious anymore. After that, she goes on a family vacation to Utah, to the Mormons. So so we've been without her for three weeks. So I have the lovely Jack Dylan who is filling in as my co-host. So welcome to creep time with Silas Dean and Jack. Hi creepers. Yeah. They're going to love you. I'm I'm sure they're so excited to have just like a little change of pace, but I know big shoes to fill. No, no, no. They're, They're very attached to Stu and rightfully so because she is like resident sleuth. Um, but this will be fun because we're going to do something different. I have geared up for you and I wanted to do this specifically for you, mostly because we kind of got fucked on our Disney trip where we were trying to get into the park. They didn't want us. They didn't. I've explained that to everybody. And I just want to say that I've received no sympathy from not a single person. What's wrong with all of you? It's well, the problem is, is I've mostly been talking to people who go to Disney so frequently that they're used to the booking system. I did not know there was a booking system. So on Thanksgiving Day, Jack and I were both um, we're from we're East Coasters, so we were both um, in in Los Angeles. And I'm like, oh well, let's go to let's go to Disneyland to celebrate in Anaheim. So we just show up. Me thinking it's like a fucking Six Flags. <laughs> I get there and I'm like, two tickets, please. And she goes, the most crass woman, <laughs> the most haggardly woman who was at the the, the ticketing booth, and she goes for when and i was like <laughs> well i was like well for for today i was like we just paid for parking and she was like honey you're not getting into the park today we're at max capacity and she goes you might get in sunday and i was like what and she goes we're on a booking system you don't know that and i'm like no because i'm not up in in the fucking disney blogs every day reading about the ins and outs of your protocol i'm the guest it was an affront to the Thanksgiving spirit of giving back. Giving I back to know. The patrons. I know. And she and then she made it even worse because she lied to us because I was like, what? Oh, my God. I was so devastated because we had planned our whole day around that. And I was like, what am I going to do about parking? I just paid like thirty five dollars. And she goes, get in your car. <laughs> she goes, get in your car. Go down to the exit ramp and you're going to see someone at a ticketing booth for parking. They're going to be able to refund you. That lying hag sent us down the exit, which if anyone who's been to Disneyland Anaheim, you know, when you go down the exit, it immediately takes you directly onto the highway. 
there is no person in a booth. She lied to me. That's why Disney's full of secrets. I know. Well, this is exactly why I wanted to do this, to take them down. I want to take them down, but if they want to employ me... (laughs) I was going to say, I'm like, I'm absolutely kidding, and I just wanted to say the sponsor of this podcast is actually Disneyland Anaheim. Disneyland Anaheim. Well, well, okay, this may be a good, like, tee-up, because I I should preface, what we're going to get into today are conspiracies and dark urban legends around Disneyland, or actually Disney parks as a whole, and I'm going to keep it pretty light at first, but they will progressively get worse and worse as we go along, but I will give a little bit of a disclaimer up front, so these are just conspiracies, they are theories, they are not fact We are just exploring them as topics of conversation purely for entertainment, education, what have you. They are not necessarily the views of us as your hosts or the affiliates of Creep Time, the podcast. And they are not intended to harm any one person or any company at all. That seems pretty clear, right? That's very clear. Very legal. Very legal. Right, exactly. So now that that's out of the way, let's get into some fucking shit. Let's do it. So... What do I have teed up? Now, we should first talk about Disney and just like our experience outside of that horrible day on Thanksgiving. You know, how, I, I can't what do you get how do you it, though? It's it's what the day on Thanksgiving? It scarred you? It scarred me because I was really excited to I don't know, maybe see a Thanksgiving Day parade. Can um, I just say you did seem especially USA. you seemed especially devastated. I felt really bad and I felt I felt compelled to make it up to you that day. I felt really really upset that I, you were yes, so upset. I know, but we it, to everyone listening, we did have a good day. We went to Universal Studios and um, <laughs> back I to the real sponsor of this podcast, Universal. <laughs> um, Universal. Um, I like never really explored outside of Universal Studios, only the Harry Potter part. And then Silas was able to show me everything else. And, you know, I do have to say, I'm actually really impressed by the park itself. It's like there's a lot yeah, of things in no. the Hollywood tour. What? Okay, okay. People sleep on that tour. But I'm telling you, I, everyone who comes from out of town, as Scott, you guys know Scott. You've listened to him on the podcast before when we did the uh, the Debbie Collier episode. I took him on the um, the Hollywood lot tour at Universal, the Universal lot tour. That's so much fun. It's such a blast. I don't know if Scott needed to piss like a racehorse the entire time. Did you? I did. I was. So, I, this is a secret that is now being revealed on the podcast. You've never told me this. No, I, in that Jesus. line, we, so the line was pretty <laughs> conspiracies, massive. Conspiracies and, and cover ups. The back of the line, <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god, I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, I can just get through this line, and maybe, you know, at the the front of the line, there could be a bathroom. And then you turn to That's me, just so like, illogical. I don't know what you're talking about, and you're like, this, this, <laughs> the tour is like two hours long or something <laughs> like that. And I was, we were. Like at the front about to get on the bus. No. And I was like, I I have to, I have to. <gasps> so I literally almost had like a bladder infection because I held my, my bladder for so long. Jack, and I'm I was, so, like, I didn't know that. I didn't know. No, it was horrible, but I didn't want to be that a makes me That makes me upset because I wanted you to have such a good experience on that. Oh, don't get me wrong. I had a great experience. Right. You were just one. felt like warm piss running down your leg halfway Absolutely. through. Absolutely. Unlike Disneyland, which has a really horrible stain on my memory. <laughs> What's your experience with uh, Disney in general, Silas? Disney in general. Well, let's see. Um, I've only been to the Florida park uh, twice in my life. I went once when I was really young. Uh, only like twice? Way, 
Yeah, only twice. I've been well, there five to six times. Only child. I mean, what else are your parents going to do with you? You're doxing <laughs> me by saying I'm an only child right now. That's like, doxing. I feel ex- I feel exposed that I should be. You know, I don't think I come across as an only child. Would you say I, so? Um. Well, the fact that you just admitted you went to Disney five times, I think, makes it pretty explicitly clear for the audience. I would say. Anyway, how did you like the time <laughs> in the parks? Um, well, like I said, I was too, well. How young were you when you first went? Because I went when I was five, which I think is too young. I went when I was five. Do you not think that was? Too, could you remember it? I couldn't remember oh, anything. Of course, I remember. I stayed at the Wilderness, Wilderness Lodge. Um, what? And it was great. I got to um, pretend Wait. as if I was in a never-ending campfire because that's the theme of that resort. <laughs> the Wilderness Lodge. This is a Magic Kingdom. Or like outside of Magic Kingdom. This is outside of Magic Kingdom in the along that river. I don't know what the river's called, but it's a man-made river where they placed okay. like three hotels: Wilderness Lodge, Polynesian Resort, and the Grand Floridian, and the Contemporary. I do not recall any of that. I just remember bits and pieces of my five-year-old experience, and then the oh second God. time I went, I was just a bit too old because it was more about my sister going because she was seven. Um, so by that time, like it was me, my brother and my sister. So I was the oldest at like 14, like I had just turned 14, which is still like a good age to enjoy Disney if you're a kid. But I was just like on the older side. So I couldn't, I was kind of out of, I was phased out of enjoying like the teacups and like Dumbo. I was no longer that child. Mm, You didn't like those. I mean, well, as a 14 year old, no, I was too busy being edgy. What ride did you like the most? Um, I love all the scary rides, unsurprisingly. I loved Haunted Mansion. I loved uh, Tower of Terror. Um, I loved Rock and Roller Coaster. That ride, oh, no. can actually, that ride can actually fuck you up. <laughs> that ride is crazy. I'm afraid of roller coasters. So that ride in particular is something that I would never, ever go on. Um, Tower of Terror, actually. I've been to Disneyland Paris. That's how much of a Disney adult I am. You've been to Disneyland Paris? Oh, we! Oui, I have been to Disneyland Paris. Okay, um, well, if it wasn't sold before that you're an only child, I think that just, like, put the final nail in the coffin. The castle is pink. It's not blue like the other one. Disneyland Paris. Disneyland Paris. And you know what? It's weird because the parades are in English. That's interesting. I, I have some shit that I'm going to talk about later, specifically about Disneyland Paris, that I think is going to mar a bit of your interpretation oh of it well did you know it didn't used to be disneyland paris it was once euro disney did you know that no what yeah so when it, i think it first um i'm gonna get into this like a bunch of this later but when disneyland euro disney first came about it was a huge financial investment so disney was not the sole owner of that it was actually partially owned by like several different conglomerates and like major companies there was like a saudi prince who owned like 10 percent of it and because of that, Disney did not have full control over every aspect, specifically the managerial um, side of how that park was run. And there was some shit going down in that park when it first came out. Following a lot of like the PR debacle, I think Disney invested like major dollars to overhaul everything, uh, take over more ownership, more managerial responsibility. But yeah, it used to be Euro Disney. That is wild to me. I've never heard of this. Well, you're hearing about it now on Creep Time, time, the podcast. So I guess we should get into some of this. And like I said, I'm going to start pretty light with the conspiracies. Um, And some of these in the beginning 
are actually mostly supported by public fact. So there are like quotes that came out from employees, people who still work at Disney. Um, there are public patents. So things that kind of teeter on the side of like, this is like urban legend conspiracy, but it's most likely true, right? I'm ready to be scared. Okay, well, you won't be scared by this one. This one is more so the conspiracy that we're going to talk about is the theory that Disney parks have been strategically designed to brainwash their patrons. So I'll elaborate just a little bit. Now, this has to do with the power of suggestion and sense memory. Have you ever heard anything like this about Disney? It seems kind of commonplace that you would assume, maybe. Um, I would, I guess so, because of the music that they have and stuff. It's actually much more like predatory like sensory wise than that so disney they've curated this experience across a lot of their parks um where when you enter certain portions of the park there are smells that are pumped directly into those areas to inform your next purchase or how you feel about that experience in that section of the park overall so for example yeah so for example if you're kind of passing an area right where like you're going to turn a corner and you're going to find like a churro stand at disney very like classic thing you might immediately smell churros before you even turn the corner, which you'd assume, oh, it's coming from the fresh churros they're making. Not at all. It is being pumped to you from like a close enough distance to inform, first like plant the thought and then inform your purchase intent. And it doesn't just end there. This goes for candy shops. It goes for food spots. It's also timed based on your likelihood throughout the day to go and purchase certain things. So around lunchtime, They'll start pumping out scents of um, like savory meats and things from the grill and side dishes through these like um, smell machines that they have. And the use of smell suggestion, it does not stop at this experience of food and purchasing food. It also informs your experience on the rides. Have you ever heard any of that? I have heard the ride thing. I've heard the ride thing. But That's I, crazy I you've heard, heard the ride the thing food. and not the food thing because I didn't I'd never heard of the ride thing. What rides did you hear this for? Um, a lot of them, uh, like stitches, really? like breakout adventure, like that one, uh, avatar specifically the new avatar Pandora that you smell exhibit. things through it. Oh yeah. They pump in, what? I don't know what it was, but it was like this sweet smelling thing that I think they were trying to make you feel as if you were like on Pandora in avatar world, uh, a movie that Silas and I did watch the new one. Um, a very iconic watch watch Disney is a loose film. a loose verb for what we did during that <laughs> that sounds inherently um, but, sexual it was not meant to <laughs> no 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 the movie is very sexual um if you've seen <laughs> avatar 2 you get it there's a lot of water um there's plenty of water soaking wet movie soaking wet at avatar 2 um but eat poison they, they, they pumped in the and <laughs> like when you're going on the flight of the navi which is like their new attraction yeah. In order, I think, to calm people down, because it's kind of terrifying, because the, the ride is like three stories in this Yikes. warehouse that's overlooking a screen, and you're strapped in with just like a, a little seatbelt. It sounds like Soren. It sounds like yeah, a, but a heightened version of Soren. Because yeah. you're, if you poke your head out further, you can see the people above you and <gasps> below you, but like strapped to like a very flimsy thing and the screen is massive and if you look down closer like to the bottom it's a it's like an abyss um so to calm <laughs> it's just black down, painted concrete yes <laughs> just waiting for you to smack it yes um because i had an anxiety attack there because i knew what the ride was and, and the entire time they're just pumping a scent through that you can they're, smell they're pumping this like floral scent 
now whenever I smell flowers, I have I'm triggered. Well, okay. Well, that's not too different from what Soren does. So when I first thought about this, like rides being associated with like certain scents that are pumped out, you think Soren because when you ride that, you smell the different smells around like the world, right? Like you smell the breeze of the ocean and then you smell like fresh cut grass. Um, but what I didn't know is that these scents almost extend to every single ride, like indoor ride in Disney parks. Specifically, I was thinking of the Haunted Mansion. They have curated a specific scent that they pump through that ride, which is known as Breezy Must. <laughs> That's going to be the name of my first fragrance, the Creep Time fragrance. I want that. Because Bre- I, I, I know. It, I know what that smell is. It definitely is something. But there's a, the there is a reason for that. So this is what I was getting into about the conspiracy. How Now, Disney has made like public commentary on this because people are like, this is obviously a real thing. And they always say, well, yes, it is. But it's a part of like our storytelling experience. And that may be true. But the psychology behind it is actually a little more... Um, it's it's interwoven into your long-term experience as like a life cycle customer, like your full life cycle as a Disney park goer. Because the thing about these scents is that they're so uh, visceral and evocative and so consistent. They are unwavering that every time you go on these rides, you associate the same positive memory that you can just pay to have that exact experience again. And as you get older, the world changes around you constantly. Everything is changing Except for your experience at Disney. Everything about these rides and this experience with the rides is the exact same, even down to the smell. That is what's important for keeping you coming back. I think it's partially responsible for why Disney adults continue to go there. They're forever. just huffing that smell. They're, they're huffing they, that must. They're really just huffers. Disney adults they, <laughs> are really just huffers. They're out they're there. They're huffing it. They're looking, I can say for they're sure. They're trying to find a popper bottle. <laughs> Um, has its own scent for sure, and also the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. That one's sure. included as well. Um, the Monsters Inc. attraction. When you go towards the sushi restaurant, you smell ginger immediately. There's a whole list of rides at Disney that have specific smells that have been curated for those rides. But I did a bit of um, deep diving on like what is like the public like patent history around this because there has to be something. Mm. So there is a patent, a public patent that belongs to a Disney Imagineer. And it's actually quite old, so they've been doing this for a long-ass time. It is known as a smellitizer. That is what this device is called, a smellitizer. Now, it was created by Imagineer, and the patent belongs to Bob McCarthy. It is currently used publicly, it states this in the patent, throughout the majority of the park, of all parks, um, to help guide your experience as a purchaser, but also to inform your experience as a positive thing based on which part of the park you are experiencing at any given moment. Wow. Is that not fascinating? That's so fascinating to me. But that kind of makes yeah. sense because of like the fervent rides like and like the lines for the rides, like people clamoring to get on like Splash Mountain or something. Mm-hmm. Like the ride's pretty mediocre, but like why is there so much – why are there so many people like running to the ride? Um, and I think it's definitely regarding that like memory thing of like in that moment. Yeah, like sense time, memory. They had just like this amazing experience and they have to like go back to get it. It's comforting. Yeah, it's comforting. I, well, so it's funny you bring up the lines because that's the second part of this conspiracy about how they're brainwashing your experience to constantly feel positive. So, yes, they always want you to have a positive experience, a familiar experience. Something else that I read and it is actually backed up by some public data. 
almost every single Disney ride that has a projected wait time or an estimated wait time, because, you know, you can get that on your phone now or they have them like shown in front of the ride. Every single one is extremely, extremely overestimated. And part of the reason for that is obviously for crowd control. So what happens is if a ride is starting to develop a line, they will drastically exaggerate the wait time of that ride to try to deter people from going on that ride. So what the computer or the system actually does is it drops the wait times of the other rides nearby that have already been overestimated, but it drops them down to a more realistic number of what what the actual wait time might be Mm. because it's trying to get you to walk immediately from that line 100 feet over to the next ride that's right across from it. So the entire thing is strategic based on crowd control and timing, but it is imperative that they always ensure that you have a positive experience while waiting in line. And statistically, you're more likely to feel positive if you go to, like, let's say, Space Mountain, and it says 90-minute wait. If you're waiting in that line and you get on that ride in 25 minutes, you're going to feel like you just hit the lotto. Like, you're going to feel like, wow, I got really lucky. That is a curated experience that every guest has every single time. I knew that was a crock of shit. Yeah, it's complete bullshit. Because I've been going to Disney World for a long, long ass time. And every year it seems as if the number above the line gets bigger and bigger. And my mom and I were like, we're fiends. We're like at it when as soon as it opens and we sprint to get on to rides to do it multiple times. Um, Like we're feverish for these rides. And, you know, the rides, the the times that they post like just aren't correct. No, it's completely fake. This last time that I went to Disney World, which was... Um, last last summer, mm-hmm. um, I, I I remember like leaving one of the rides in the new Star Wars mm-hmm. world and being like, this like does not make sense based on me going into this ride five times. It says two hours. I'm going in and out of this ride. What's going on? No, no, no. It is more than doubled. It is like extremely over exaggerated, ex- <laughs> extremely over exaggerated, extremely over exaggerated. <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay, so part of how this got uncovered was because of a website called Touring Plans. Have you ever heard of that? Touring Plans? I don't Tour- like the sound Touring, of this. I know. Touring Plans is a website. Um, they have a lot of features on there, but one of them is that they give real-time, uh, like, real-time, like, wait time estimates for rides. Oh. Um, but it's they basically have a formula that takes, like, what Disney's crock shit formula is and then subtracts the exaggerated wait time to give you the realistic wait time of what you might actually wait for this ride in this moment. So they basically were the ones who like uncovered the formula of what Disney's um, like wait time system is doing. That's so helpful. It is very helpful. Touringplans.com. 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 Now we've talked about the crowd control thing. We've talked about this like curated experience of like, you're not going to feel cheated when you wait there because if, like I said, if you were to wait in that line, and you are waiting there longer than your projected wait time, you're going to have a negative experience. You're going to have Absolutely. a very you're a very bad time. Now, those are two pretty light urban legend conspiracies, which are more than likely fact, right? Yeah. Let's get into something a little bit darker here. Have you heard of the Disney jail? What? The... <laughs> A Disney jail. You just sounded just like Stu because I, I can drop some shit on this podcast and she will all she'll take a pause, she'll go What? Every time. Yeah, the Disney jail. You've never heard of it? No, where would the jail be? 
Okay, okay, okay. So I had never heard of this either. So when I was um I was doing research for this, I was like, what? So let's see. Now, the earliest stories that I could find about the Disney jail, I think they actually come from the 1990s, and it is this conspiracy, um, which actually has quite a bit of proof and you know verification around it, that Disney parks have a designated location, and actually probably multiple locations, where unruly guests have been taken in the past, particularly those who enter the park inebriated or high. So this story that I'm going to tell, it actually comes from a group of friends who attended the park in the late 90s. Um, I'm not totally sure. I can't remember the exact date, but I think it was 1997 was the year. So they came into the park. I know. Were you even born? No, not even born yet. You weren't even born yet. No. You were born in 2010. I was born in 2020. Wow. You're so advanced. I know. I'm three years old, and I'm mega mind. (laughs) Adderall. It does a lot of things. Now, let's see. In the 1990s, 1997, all of these teenagers entered the park. They dropped LSD before entering. What a bad fucking time That's horrible. that would be. What I know. What a bad, horrible mistake. But just like, I would never, ever, ever want to be in a place like Disney dropping LSD. It sounds no, so... with the characters running around? I would, I would die. But basically, that's what happened. They like made a huge scene. And of course, like Disney is not going to, they're not going to stand for that. So what happened was they became unruly. And they were removed from the public portion of the park, and they were escorted individually to what is known as the Disney Jail, which is a collection of, get this, you're going to flip, blank white rooms that contain nothing but a chair and a singular picture of a frowning Mickey Mouse on the wall. No. Yes. (gasps) Could you imagine (laughs) being on LSD and being put into what is basically like a solitary confinement cell with a frowning Mickey Mouse on the wall? That just gave me chills. (laughs) I know. It gets so much worse, Jack. It gets so much worse. Okay, so this story alleges that they're, they're held in the holding cell, right, for hours, if not the entire day, or at least until they come down from the high. And following that, they would most likely face a ban from the park. Now, before I get into the next part of it, I, I can tell that that already like fucked you up a bit. Is that I'm still like the image in my mind is like really, really brutal? It's freaky. It's freaky as hell. But their story actually gets even crazier because the frowning Mickey Mouse is just the tip of the iceberg of what went down in these Disney jails. And there's actually, believe it or not, there is celebrity confirmation that these places exist. I think Who the most got no- locked up Blake Lively. <laughs> <laughs> what gossip girls blake lively what did what did blake do what gossip so, too much <laughs> i'll get into this in like a second but basically it was before she was famous i think she was a teenager and back in the day like in the early 2000s before everything was automated at disney they had a stamp system so if you came into the park you paid to get in and you wanted to like leave to run to your car they could um stamp your hand to get back in now, it was really easy to transfer these stamps because you just spray them with hairspray and then you press it to your friend's hand and suddenly, like, you get all your friends into Disney for free. So Disney basically caught them and then ushered them into these back rooms, the Disney jail, no. which is it was exactly as as was described in the stories. She was like, no. it's a white room. And like we sat there and I was like interrogated and I, she was banned for from like Disney for a year. Interrogated? Interrogated. For what? For coming into the park, for sneaking people into the park for free. She's a con. Oh my God. She's, you know what? Blake, Ly- Ryan Reynolds, run. 
Ryan Reynolds better Run. look out because Blake is behind him with a knife. <laughs> well, okay, so let's go back so I can talk a little bit more about what these people experienced in the 1990s in this park. So many of the urban legends of the people who violated the park policies um, and were placed in these cells, specifically in the 90s, told these strange stories of bizarre protocols and practices that were in force in the Disney jails. So the illusion of Disney is never dropped, even when you're in Disney jail. So park goers who were detained would allegedly talk to security guards and they were accompanied from cell to cell by people who were dressed up in character. No, 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 no. Specifically Goofy. What? Like Goofy? Goofy is like the character who is guiding you from cell to cell and putting you away. And multiple confirmations that once you're left in the cell for hours, you get to just look at this picture of Mickey Mouse on the wall and they give you a pen and paper and you are to write an apology letter to mickey mouse for your behavior that is dark it's dark that is so incredibly dark something about (laughs) the imagery of goofy who's like just a beloved character like a silent goofy like having you in cuffs walking you to a padded room with a frowning mickey mouse on the wall that's that's a, a certain type of hell that's hell that is hell. I hate that. Mickey Mouse would never... Actually, he would. Mickey Mouse is... <laughs> I was like, um, be, be for real. Be for real. <laughs> Mickey Mouse has um, Pluto, which is just goofy, and, and keeps him as a pet in his house. I know. That is really dark to think about a dog owning a dog. <laughs> That's some shit. Because, like, wasn't Pluto... Yeah, so, like... Pluto is Mickey's or Pluto is Goofy's? Because I was like, that that could be something if those two Pluto's, were in the same story. Pluto's is Mickey's. Okay, so but Goofy is a dog that's like operating essentially as a human, but Pluto is like a dog dog. Yes, yeah, so Pluto is the one that has some issues in his like brain that has made him <laughs> revert to dog form. What? That's not that is not part of the narrative. No. There it, it gets it's like I remember reading about this. It's like kind of scary. Is this like Disney like dark fan fiction or something? It is because it's never really explained. Okay. But the way in which Mickey treats Goofy anyway kind of speaks <laughs> to his lack of respect towards dog people. I mean, listen, you don't have to convince me that Mickey Mouse is fucked up. I I fully understand what Mickey Mouse is about. <laughs> He's a bad. He's a he bad guy. He locks people in jails. He locks people in jail. And can you do the voice? Like, write me an apology letter. <laughs> write me an apology letter right now, you stupid fuck. That's because what they play you... over the speakers on repeat for hours. But it has like an echo, really <laughs> like reverb. It. I mean it. Because... Well, I had to. So I had to do like I had to do more deep diving on this because I'm like I need to see if there's legitimacy around this whole like disney jail situation so i found this website called the duchess of disney which is a site that i think like basically divulges into a lot of the urban legends but has a lot of historical context and sources accurate information to kind of dispel things or confirm things and apparently these cells do exist they're very much real and one of the most notable is always placed behind main street at the front of the park now historically guests have been taken to these cells for a variety of reasons they include shoplifting uh, drinking, excessive drinking, or like being under the influence of drugs, harassment within the park. And part of the reason for this is they try to create a buffer 
and do a bit of self-governing within Disney because obviously it's a bit of a PR blunder to think of someone being arrested, detained, arrested, and hauled out of the happiest place on earth. So this is a way that they can kind of mitigate that by essentially capturing a bad doer within the park, holding them um, (laughs) hostage basically for the entirety of the day while the public is out there in the park and then releasing them at the end of the night. So they're so essentially they become part of the experience. Yes, yes, it's how it's disgusting. Twofold because Disney's like they don't want to have the bad press of like person arrested at Disney, but at the same time they don't even want to break the illusion that you're in a park. You know they they want it to be like its own. Disney is its own place. It's the happiest place on earth. And you better not fuck it up for the rest of us. You absolutely better not but like i said so the craziest part about this tale at the urban legend like it has some truth because of the blake lively story so clearly not only has the duchess of disney confirmed it but now we have blake lively's word and i trust blake lively with your life because she married the sexiest man alive she did that and she also was in the sisterhood of the traveling pants which are two comparable achievements in my (laughs) mind (laughs) with america ferrera I I never saw that movie, but I read the books. Baby, you're living that movie. I hate to tell you. <laughs> now, <clears throat> shall we move on to a darker conspiracy? Actually, this isn't a dark conspiracy at all. This is actually a wonderful conspiracy. I hope it's true. What this, is this, it? This will be like a light, like intermediate um, filler one. So <laughs> this is the urban legend that Disney parks, um, I think both in Florida, but particularly in California, um, they are parks to ho- their homes to an entire colony of feral cats that live within the park. And Disney is not only aware of this, but actually encourages it. And there's a reason for that. Have you ever heard of that? No. What? Yeah. So the history behind this urban legend is that years and years and years ago, there was a small group of cats that essentially burrowed within one of the parks, right? feral cats not spayed or neutered so you know this grew and they repopulated very quickly so much to the point that there were hundreds of cats like plaguing the disney parks feral cats now for obvious reasons disney could not just like capture these cats um and like surrender them to a bunch of shelters or kill shelters or do something even more sinister like exterminate the cats out of fear of that would be an extremely bad pr nightmare so Their first logical plan was that they would set up a program, an internal secret program, with Disney employees to get all of the cats rehomed with employees, right? Like, Disney would take care of the medical expenses for vaccinations. They would get them spayed or neutered. They might even, like, pay for the first, like, month of food if you agreed to, like, take a cat home permanently, right? Seems like a safe solve. Now, Disney had another problem at the time that seemed to crop up at the same exact moment. They had a mouse infestation. No. And the irony behind that is incredible. <laughs> like, Mickey. <laughs> Disney had a full on, like, rodent extravaganza in their parks while they're trying to deal with the cat infestation. And the fact that they, I bet Mickey was the one that pulled the trigger. He was like, there's only can be one mouse, and it's me. Absolutely. I mean, you the would, rest have to die. You would see very quickly that they were absolutely there to exterminate those mice. And this is how they did it. So the issue of the hundreds of feral cats and this program they were launching of getting them rehomed, it sparked another idea. How could they have a long-term solution 
for this rodent infestation within the park that seemed impossible to take care of because a park exists outside. And there's a lot of food and there's a lot of stuff in there that like rats would want to get at. So allegedly what Disney did is they decided to embrace the feral cat problem and they gave them all health checks. They got them all vaccinated. They got them all spayed and neutered so they couldn't they could control the size basically of their cat population. And they set up these covert feeding stations all around the parks, which are visible, apparently visible in different locations of the park for these cats. So basically what these feeding stations do, the cats are kept in like secret parts of the park during the daytime when patrons are there come night they release them into the parks and they hunt all the mice all night oh my god they're yes. let loose there is a whole there's a whole website on this and they call them cats members of disney parks oh yes isn't that cute that's so cute i hate cats um, no you don't creepers he's lying i do i do i do guys i'm a dog guy dog what about person. dexter what about you Dexter? Know, Dexter bites me every time I touch him. You're a dog person. What are you, hetero? Get out of yeah, here. Yeah, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the straightest man I know. Enough. All right. Don't On I to my next straight. theory. You sound too straight, which is the problem. <laughs> They're going to tune out. Creepers, I apologize for the heterosexual nature of this podcast. There's too many straights <laughs> here. Too many. Now, let's see. The next conspiracy I have wasn't that a cute one though. That was like a very that very was a light cute one. one. Objectively, yeah. that was cute. It's estimated that in each of the parks, both Florida and um, Anaheim, they there are two hundred cats, two hundred plus cats in each park that really live there full time. Like, see if there's like the visual evidence of like, that's what this website feeders? is. No, that's this website. Um, I'll get the name of it in a second, but the website specifically is for park goers who know about the cat colony. And they try to spot them during the day because you can obviously see them at different points, like a random cat running through the park. But also, most of the feeders are very visible. There's one um, really notable one. I think it's near the Rose Quartz Hotel. What is the Rose Quartz Hotel? I don't know. I could be mispronouncing what the name was that I heard, but it's a hotel within Disney. What? That must be a Disneyland hotel. It must be. I've never been there because they turned us away. <laughs> well, well, since you've been 25 times to Disney in I've the last year alone. I've been times to Disney. There was a man who I think just broke the world record or something for the most visits to Disney. He went like every single day for the last two plus years or something. Does he have enough time to do that? Like, what's going on there? How is he um, working? I think he's, I want to believe he's retired. Oh, okay. And maybe he gets like... The annual pass, which I think is like fifteen hundred, and if you're going every single day, I suppose it pays for itself. Well, if he's working remotely, um, he probably can go to a cafe and you know just do his work. That sounds like absolute hell to go to Disney World or Disneyland and work from a cafe. I would absolutely die. <laughs> That's horrible. There are a lot. Thank of you. Empty, thank you so much for hopping on. Really happy you could connect with me. Sorry, that's that's just a screaming child behind me. I apologize. <laughs> Sorry, they're just I'm just there getting a corn a lot of dog empty, behind uh, you. Cafes in Epcot, though, that like if any if any park, that would be the park that I would choose because it's not populated a lot, and because they're like slowly phasing out different restaurants because it's so dated, so dated. Um, like there's still like evidence of like the old Figment ride that's like abandoned. That's, oh God. 
very unsettling. But there's all these restaurant cafes that no one ever populates, but they still put all these workers in there and they're doing their jobs. You can go in there and like do a probably a full meeting on Zoom and no one would ever bother you. I kind of believe it. I mean, I have not been to Epcot in over 10 years, possibly close to 15 years, but I vaguely believe what you're talking about. I was just there for the food festival. Really? Yeah. Wait, is Epcot? Epcot is only in Florida, right? Yeah, Epcot and Animal Kingdom are the only two. And Hollywood Studios. Those Baby, are the Animal Kingdom in. is right in WeHo. You don't have to look no yeah, further. Yeah, you're right. I That's mean, it. I'm That's there Animal Kingdom. every weekend. I know. If anyone <laughs> sees someone... <laughs> Hey guys, if see if you could spot me. Um, I'm usually wearing army green, green pants, um, or like this Venice and a sleeveless, shirt. yeah, and a sleeveless Zara um, knit top, possibly a pearl I necklace. Get over it. It's my go-to. It is. It's honestly it's a uniform. It's it, it, it's repeat honestly, imagery. It feels like that's iconic. what I feel like when I put it on. I'm like I'm going to West Hollywood. Time to put on my uniform. Your uniform. Yeah, you're going to work. You're going to work. I'm going to work to break some hearts. Jesus Christ. Well, speaking of hearts, this has nothing to do with hearts, but I'm I'm pivoting into it anyway. <laughs> the next conspiracy that I've got here, this is probably one of the most popular, so I guarantee you actually know this. And I have had multiple people in my distant family, like cousins who have worked at Disney, who have confirmed that this exists. So the legends of the underground tunnel system of Disney. Let's Ooh, talk about that. Uh, Let's talk about you don't like that? It. Why don't you like I it? I hate it. I Why? hate the feeling that there's like things like scuttling around underneath my feet when I'm like eating a corn dog. Like I don't like that. Well, okay, so this is the craziest part. The the thing that this is suggesting from like an architecture um standpoint is that that is the f- first floor of Disney. That is Disney. The the tunnel system ev- the actual park is the second floor. Yuck, I hate that. I hate it. Yeah. What do you honey. mean it's the first floor? What's there? So, okay, I'll exp- I'll get into it in a little bit, like how Disney was built, what it was built on. But the story goes back to like when Walt Disney was actually alive. So he would often walk the park himself. I think most people know that because he was so invested in it. He would try to experience every angle of the park from like the guest perspective. So he was in Disneyland, in Tomorrowland, and which is kind of, if you know Tomorrowland, it's kind of this like idyllic like futuristic landscape and he ran into a cowboy like a cast member cowboy so the cast member the cowboy would have to get to a different part of the park where he would be stationed however there was no like clear-cut traffic path to get there unless you walked through tomorrowland and this like deeply bothered walt disney he felt so complete like it felt it like it completely broke the illusion of what the park was what tomorrowland was about And he really felt that it was kind of disruptive for, like, the immersion of the guests. So it became his mission to try to create this covert system of tunnels that could extend behind the park and underneath the park where cast members could travel as well as other things could go on down there. So that is the bedrock of, like, what is the suspected history around the tunnel system and why it came to be. I feel like Walt Disney's so evil. Um, he, I mean, he quite literally is a very, very evil person, was an evil person. I think he was a confirmed... He was a, he was a uh, fascist sympathizer. He was an anti-Semite. And, you know, it's very concerning that he built an empire that now controls 98% of the media that we do to consume. Well, I mean, if there's there's something to relish in here, I guess, if you're trying to like stick it to Walt, he was so desperately concerned at the time of his death um, that every all of his successors who would take over Disney would just ruin it. It would never be his vision. And there's a lot of proof that they have. So 
sucks to be you, Walt. Sucks to be Walt. I, I hope there's no one listening. I know. I hope there's nobody who's listening who's like, oh, I happen to love Walt Disney. I'll repeat. Well, an- anti-Semite. Anti-Semite. You, you, you heard it here first. Walt Disney is a piece of shit. I'll uh, stand, babe, I'll stand, but I'm never going to get booked for Disney because of this. <laughs> They're gonna... no, he's really a piece of shit. I stand yeah. by Bob Iger. He's he's a visionary. Is he? No, yeah. He actually reinvented Disney. Like Everything that you love about Disney, if you were like a 90s kid or 2000s kid, is because of Mr. Bob Iger. Um, all the you, media you consumed. Do you think he knows about the tunnel system? Do you think he's down oh, there? He probably built even more tunnel systems. Well, okay, so let me get back to, like, when this tunnel system came to be and, like, what we actually know about it from people who've worked there. Because I don't believe the employees who work there know the full um, extent of this system. So, yeah, it is, like, you cannot imagine, Jack, you can't imagine how vast this system is. For context, my cousin said he would have to get, like, enter the tunnel system from a mile outside of the park. A mile? A mile outside of the... Like, it is insanely vast. Let me get it... Let me get into the details here. So, it has never been confirmed um, that Disneyland has a tunnel system just from the way the land is built um, and just how challenging that would be. Uh, They definitely have backstage areas and, like, secret passageways and things to kind of keep things covert. But a tunnel system is really... the, The whole premise of that has to do with the Orlando Park, right? The construction of that. So according to sources online, the tunnel system spans more than 300,000 square feet beneath Magic Kingdom. Mm. So the craziest part uh, about this tunnel system is that Disney was built, like Disney World was built on a swamp in Florida. So like I was saying, the way that they built this was they laid the foundation And then the tunnel system came to be. So this is from the bedrock of, like, when Disney was coming up, like Orlando. Um, And it was conceived as that is the entry floor. Like, that is, like, first floor of Disney. And the park above it it is considered the second story. Even though that's what everyone knows. That's what everyone knows as the ground. So. Now. I think the conspiracy of the tunnel seems, like pretty harmless um at surface level because it it seems obvious like why you would want to have a system like that it's very easy for cast members to cross the park and Mm. not be seen um it's just so extensive that i think that's what feels insidious for people it's like what you're saying it's like what the hell goes on down there in this system the tunnel is really interesting because it is a no man's land in terms of the branding rules of disney have you ever heard that no what So apparently none of the Disney branding rules against employees are enforced in the tunnel system. It's like the Vegas of Disney down there. Like people are allowed to be in and out of costume. People smoke down there. They can drink. Allegedly, this is all legend. (laughs) They play music that's not Disney music. Um, And apparently it is so vast down there, Jack. There is an extensive series of rest areas, places to eat, and even a full service salon that sits below the underground of Disney. It is an underground that truly city. Is terrifying to me. It's a city down there, and all these these debaucherous cast members are down there, just in this seedy pit beneath Disney. <laughs> well, I have seen things on TikTok where it's like there's like people making TikToks with their costumes mm-hmm. that they're not working for Disney anymore. It's like years after, and then they like post it now. They're like, "Look what we did." And they're always like in these weird rooms. And I'm like, where is this? Well, okay, so this is where 
it's most definitely the tunnels. But yeah, that's how you enter. You can't enter the park through the front entrance if you're a worker there. That's what my cousin told me. But naturally, with the lore of the tunnel system, there is this extensive, um, you know, there's there's these stories of like what went on down there. The public knowledge of that became pretty widespread. Um, So instead of trying to keep it a secret, Disney kind of leaned into this and tried to create an illusion of what the tunnels actually are and how it's not as insidious as most people think. So what the branding team did, they created a curated backstage experience, which is only for like elite guests, like guests who could pay a certain amount or celebrities, where they give you a tunnel tour, which shows you like a very, like an extremely (coughs) limited backstage walk. So you can be like, oh my God, I'm in the Disney tunnels. It's essentially like a 200 foot walkway of what is like, hundreds of thousands of square feet down there that you're not seeing oh my god to make you think like this is where our cast members and like obviously like the part that the public gets to see like guests it's a very like cleaned up version of it where like obviously that's off limits to cast members who are in and out of costume like they're not going to break the illusion if a guest is down there so it's it's specifically for these tours like employees do not even go over there but like what if there's something crazy down there like I'm just imagining like dark, dim tunnels and like abandoned wings. <laughs> there are certainly parts of it that are closed off to employees. Like there, there's definitely like a key card thing where only employees of a certain status can get past certain tunnels. And there's actually an epicenter of this tunnel system. So in the dead center, specifically, I think it's under Magic Kingdom. There is a apparently a limited access control room where only high high level managerial employees can get into which has an array a vast array of screens of the above ground park and all of these control systems so that you can control and see every square inch of that park at any time from this hive this underground hive and do what like what are they watching for i think they're just always watching jack just always watching maybe that's like because that's a really iconic line maybe maybe it's like they're they're admitting they're dropping hints yeah they're dropping hints so roz roz is the one who's at the epicenter of the tunnel the disney tunnel system it's roz Roz. slug i love her she's iconic i love her glasses the nice and thick you sound just like her i'm Roz. (laughs) you should be here for halloween you should be here for halloween and weho i think that would go over really well a giant slug on (laughs) at rocco's (laughs) it's gonna be great (laughs) you can go to rocco's any day of the week and find a giant slug it does not have to be (laughs) halloween it doesn't have to be Halloween. i can look myself in the mirror (laughs) at the bathrooms of rocco's and see a, a giant slug oh yeah you have four tequila sodas you look right in that mirror under fluorescent lighting. That's a giant slug. <laughs> that's, a, that's a slug that's had salt poured on it. That's what that is. Oh, my God. Now. That is that is horrendous. I don't like the feeling of having, like, tunnels. Like, that's a huge fear of mine. There's a very that freaks like, you out. space. It's something that I'm really scared about. Imagine, well, um, imagine getting lost down there if you were an employee or something. You'd never or even be seen again. If you were a patron. Imagine, like, somehow you snuck down there and you get lost in the underground tunnel system. This dark tunnel system. It's like a catacomb. A catacomb. There probably are like catacombs. Walt Disney's probably down there, dead. Well, we have some other conspiracies specifically around that. What? Well, Walt specifically. Well, okay, let's see. So 
all I don't even know what comes next in my notes. It just says now let's get a bit darker. That's the headline I wrote for this. <laughs> wait, I can't wait. <laughs> and I have no idea what this is about. Now let's get darker. Oh wait, I think I cut this. This is about like a conspiracy side of fiction. Oh, this was all about like a secret society of people who like own Disney, but it's kind of boring. So I was like, I don't even really care to talk about it. But the top line of that is that I think back in the day when Walt was around, he didn't want Disney to kind of start and stop as just, uh, I don't know, this refuge for the guests. It was supposed to be like a hub for the world elite. And he belonged to quite a few like elite clubs. And one of them, I think, was the Society of Explorers and Adventurers. I'm just riffing right now of like what I, you know, off of memory, which was like, basically a club of millionaires who were like globe trotters like they just love to travel internationally they're high profile people and there's all these like hidden clues within the park that um the original rides of the park were basically created curated and are actually on paper owned by the former members of this society the see or the sea rather uh so that's i was like that's not even really a conspiracy it was like it just sounds like a I don't know. It just sounds like a boys club. <laughs> yeah, it just sounds Waltz. like a classic 1940s boys club um, that probably it, used that, yeah. the eight club. Like that's like the exclusive thing in Disney World and Magic Kingdom where you can only like it's like a ten thousand dollars for like, I don't know, a meal. Um, but to be in the club is like very specific and not every guest can get there. Probably was connected. Is that to called that the eight club or is it called the 33 club? I the think 33 I heard, Club, that one. Yeah. Okay, I heard about the 33 Club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, that does, like, there are locations specific to that. And there's a lot of conspiracy around, like, why the number three is important to Walt. And it has to do with, like, Mickey's ears. It's a whole thing. It's about anyway, ears. It's, <laughs> I'm not even going to attempt to do the voice because I've been drinking. So who knows what's going to happen to me. But let's put that conspiracy to bed and let's get into the real shit. It's this, about to get scary. Well, it's about to get real because I think I guarantee you have heard of this because it is probably the most famous conspiracy around Disney that Walt Disney is frozen or preserved in some way. Have you heard that? Uh, he's somewhere in there. Of course I have. Of course you have. Yeah, because it is, it's possibly like the most um, I want to say it's like the conspiracy of Disney that's permeated the cultural zeitgeist like most people just associate walt disney now as being frozen so i wanted to do yeah, a deep dive I mean, on why it why did they make a, the movie frozen the drop in hands exactly 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 well so there's a lot of conspiracy around that specifically why disney puts out certain titles to try to like um from an seo perspective to try to deter what people search when they search disney frozen you would get the movie now versus getting something about how walt disney is preserved somewhere Oh my god, that is Isn't that, that crazy? Is crazy? It's kind of like it's like as if um it's like as if Michael Jackson was to put out like a greatest hits album and it's called Michael Jackson and the Kids, like a Jackson 5 reunion <laughs> album. It's to it's to deter the search results. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're right. And that's horrible. <laughs> I know. I know. There must be other examples. Let me think. Um uh I can't say that they're all really bad. They're all horrible. They're all really bad, but I'll, I'll really leave it bad. at the, the Michael Jackson one. But I, I mean, that's a very like legitimate thing that you could have put out something. Um, they could put out like entertainment titles that would deter search results so that they can pivot away from bad PR stories that won't go away. Right. Now let's go back and get into some of the history around this. So 
I believe it was the late 60s. Yes, the late 60s when Walt fell extremely ill. So he they had found a mass in his lung and it was cancerous. So it, it was bo- in the shape of Mickey Mouse. Please, absolutely enough. Absolutely enough. I had to get I had to transfer myself onto my bed because <laughs> what I was drinking hit me hard 5 minutes ago and I was like I have to sit down. I to hope by the end of this I kept you on this pod this. for a while I feel like you'll be blackout by the end of it. <laughs> no. But they lo- the creepers love long episodes like this. They I I put out a poll and I was like how long do you want the episodes to be like 45 minutes, 60 minutes or like 90 minutes to 2 hours plus and Almost every single person voted for two hours plus. Two hours plus. They're doing like homework and stuff or like working Yeah, no, out. they all like send me messages and they're like, I fall asleep to your podcast. And I'm like, that's incredible that, that we do that for you. When we talk about people having like children <laughs> ripped out of their stomach. Like it's oh incredible that we're able to give you that experience. And I cherish that. I do. Oh my God. Now, so Walt, yes, Walt falls extremely ill. They found a mass on his lung. It was cancer. They removed the entire lung jack. He had a complete removal of the lung. And he now, this, this wine <laughs> is sending you someplace else. I should it's get a grip. Me where I need to be. <laughs> it's actually Disney. It's I'm actually work for Disney, and that's why my brain subconsciously is making me change the subject. As we get closer and closer to the truth. Because you can't handle it. Yeah, because I'm getting heavier and darker real quick. And you're like, no, no, no. Go back to the cat shit. I, I want to hear about the, the cat colony. The cat colony. Let's go back to the cat colony, girl. Let's do it. <laughs> well, okay. So the story behind this is that the lung gets removed. He's in the hospital. And in the following like month, he would you know get a lot of his affairs together. He's like organizing his will. He's going through cancer treatments. And eventually, not long after that, it's like a month his entire circulatory system just completely failed. Allegedly, that's what happened on paper. So on paper, he is pronounced dead at age 65. Now, years and years later, um, I think this is where the first cryo conspiracy came about, that Walt Disney may have died and may have been frozen, or it's possible he was close to death and did not die, but opted to have his body frozen while he was alive. So... There is a more, like, infamous version of this story, I think, where Walt only had his head cryogenically frozen. That's the thing that I've heard. Yeah, yeah. And the reason being is, I think, the assumption that, like, maybe the physical body, especially if it was already, you know, riddled with cancer, could not be resurrected one day. But the human brain possibly could if it was put into a mechanical body. Is like, a very, very early, like, pseudoscience of cryogenics of, like, the idea um, is way, way ahead of any sort of realistic science that could do that. Right. So I should clarify actually, because I believe there's a difference between cryogenics and this specifically is cryonics that we're referring to. So cryonics, I think specifically has to do with the storage of human remains, dead human remains at frozen or very low temperatures. And it includes this intention, this long-term intention that you're eventually going to resurrect that person or that body once it's medically possible. Oh my God. So, I mean, we could talk about some of the legal loopholes around this and why this was probably maybe unrealistic at the time. So cryonics, when it comes to that, even back in the sixties, when this had first emerged, which I think was 1960 and Walt died in 66, I think legally, the person cannot be subjected to cryonics while they are alive. They have to be legally pronounced dead 
in order for this to happen in any scenario. But I would say that it's not off the table to assume that somebody as powerful as Connected and as wealthy as Walt Disney would have the power to, I don't know, probably make an arrangement to have this done while he was still alive, if that was something he wanted to do. Absolutely. He was obsessed with living forever. Yeah, I think he was more so fearful of death, was what I read. He had, like, an intense fear of death, because when he was a child, he saw a fortune teller who just told him he was going to die at 34. (laughs) So, like, yeah, so even, so he was terrified of that. Could you imagine, like, getting into, like, your late 20s and your 30s and, like, reach, like, nearing 34 and just this intense fear that, like, you're about to go? And even when he, like, passed that, he still had, like, deep-seated issues and fears with death. So you're kind of right. He did want to... He wanted to live as long as possible. And that fortune teller? That was Cher. <laughs> Could you, what a fucked up fortune teller. Just to like talk to an eight-year-old and be like, 34. When are you going to die? You're going to die at 35, babe. Babe, I'm sorry. I don't see it going much longer. Me and son, we got a show, but I, I think you're going to kick it at 34. <laughs> Do you believe you? in life after love? <laughs> Because I sure don't, I'm you're sure dead, bitch. bitch. <laughs> <laughs> this is off the rails. Oh now, God. the problem... Okay, let's talk about cryonics and, like, why this is not really realistic in terms of, like, could you possibly resurrect a brain? The thing that happens when you freeze a human brain, especially long-term, you cannot do so without causing permanent damage to the neurocircuits of a brain. So there's really no way that this would ever, this is ever going to work, I think. Um, But still, I think if you're on the brink of death, like Walt was, maybe the thought is like, why not try? So, yeah, I know I'm right. I know. You're right. So like I said, cryonics and cryogenics had started in the early 60s. So timing wise, this probably would have aligned, you know, with statements that were coming out um, about like this new science and like it might be like tailored to the elite. But the stories about Walt and what he did did not really come out in, like, any major literature or publications until the 80s. And that's when people started to take an interest in this. And that's when these things detailed his interest, his public interest, in cryonics that he had told people in the 60s. Which is where I think the rumor came from. It's like people were like, no, we confirmed that he was he was looking for this um, and hoping to one day, if he was going to be frozen, that he would... I don't know, probably be resurrected at some point. But the thing that this literature is talking about, it's saying that Walt, not only was he afraid of death, but he was terrified that his successors would inevitably inflict horrible damage on his vision of the Disney parks. And it turns out that he was right, like I said. Because um, what I didn't know is that Epcot was never supposed to be what it is. Did you know that? I heard that it was supposed... Yeah, I, but I don't know what he It was supposed to be to a be. city. It was supposed to be a self-contained, self-governing, utopian city. And then by in the time... Florida? He, I'm so sorry, but that well, would not have flown. Well, that, that would have not flown in Florida. That would, babe, that would not have flown at no, all. That I word, what did I just say? Flying. Flying is a word that no human being has ever said. Until now. You heard it here first. The Creep Time Podcast with Hold Silas on. Dean. I have to sit up because I'm literally hunched over. <laughs> okay. I'm slumped over. I'm hungover, babe. Flying, yeah, flying. So now the problem was, yeah, Walt. He want he had this vision that it was going to be like the self-contained city, 
and he was terrified that if he died, somebody was going to fuck the whole thing up. And it turns out mm. they absolutely did, because as soon as he did die, the, the Epcot was not finished. Like, the project was not finished, but it was picked up by the successors, and they were like, a city? Well, that doesn't sound like it's going to make money. Let's just make it a park. <laughs> so they, <laughs> they made it into a park. <sighs> so... This this was the problem, but that's besides the point, because, like, we're talking about Walt being frozen. So let's say he was frozen. The issue with a lot of these companies that cropped up in the 60s when cryogenics and cryonics became a thing was that they all fizzled out by the 70s, mm. except for, I think, one company. And I don't even know if they were around beyond the 70s. But the problem, and I was like, what what happened to these people who, like, paid to be frozen? They had to be thawed and released to the government yes because like you i mean if these companies were fizzling like there there are like legal protocols for what you have to do with human remains the bodies these people paid to be frozen and then one day resurrected they had to be thawed they had to be thawed now that's what you get when you do it in florida i'm sorry (laughs) florida Florida is is a is a kingdom of cheats and liars and swindlers well, it's also, I mean, like, talk about these companies. How would this even sustain itself? Because the person who is funding it is now a person who's technically dead on paper. So you would assume that, like, all the companies, of course, would eventually fold. Like, the economy of these companies cannot last to the point where, you know, science catches up and suddenly we can bring these people back. Oh the God, pro- imagine, like, the cleanup crew. I don't even want to like, the company's think. going under and they have to thaw it out. And it's just, like, tubes of people. Tubes. Apparently, a lot of them are kept in the same tubes, which I don't know how that works. Oh, my God. What a scam. You're that putting, sounds like a scam. I know. You're put, I know. Bitch, they're just putting you in a tub of water in a freezer. <laughs> Let me just tell you. I've worked in restaurants. It's just a restaurant freezer. It's just a, <laughs> it's a restaurant it's a, freezer. It's a great. It's a big old walk-in. It's a, it's a walk-in, and it's off from the prep station of the kitchen. That's where you're being stored <laughs> with cryonics. But we should talk about like why this could have been possible for Walt, even in the scenario where all these companies folded. Because Walt isn't just a normal person. Like His legacy and his fortune clearly extends beyond his life. So it's right. not unreasonable to think that there could have been some sort of a private arrangement, like a long-term arrangement where there's like an account through Disney, like a Disney fund, where there is just money that is funding maybe like a single cryo company that could have um, retained just Walt's body and possibly Mm. still does to this day. So for even more context on this, so here's why it's a little strange. Now, Obviously, this got out of hand, this conspiracy, and people started to ask questions to Disney specifically, so much to the point that his daughter had to make a public statement, and she had to say he is absolutely not frozen. He has never, he had never had any interest in that. He did not express that he even knew what that was, but it's not unreasonable to think, if we're looking at this as a conspiracy, that Walt had to keep this completely private for the, for the protection of his corpse even from his own family, because if there was right. a, if there was any semblance uh, that the truth of this could get out, he could compromise the possibility of his remains being preserved. Because let's say like there's I don't know vandals or like there's a conspiracy for people to like break his remains out of this cryo chamber, and suddenly the remains are useless because they have not been frozen or preserved. There's no chance of him ever coming back. 
So maybe so that's where the secret. Down low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had to keep this super down low. Now, what his family remembers is that he passed, and then he did. He wrote in his um, will that he didn't want to have a funeral. He wanted no service, and they actually delayed the announcement of his death so that his family could have a private viewing with just his body on the day he died. And then the body was allegedly taken away very quickly to his wishes, and on paper, it was cremated. It's not off the table with this conspiracy to assume that the body was whisked away, and then this private cryo company that was prepaid did what they were going to do, which was preserve that body. Ugh, that gave me chills. It's so scary. I know. Or at least part of the body. But the story gets even wilder because people would question, okay, well, let's say all of that's true. And there is this, like, privately funded cryo company that's, like, anonymously hosting his remains. Where is the body? They must have, like, headquarters or something. That would be a risk. Now, where is the one place where you could build a secret cryo chamber that you would have complete jurisdiction over no one ever searching? One of his wonderful, beautiful parks. The underground tunnel systems of Disney. Oh my god. I hate it. I hate it. (laughs) No, no, no. It's more likely probably somewhere in Disneyland because he was dead before the Orlando Park came about. But like, just think of like the swamp of like Florida. It's a bog. And like bog, like the remains of people have been pulled out of swamps completely preserved as if they died like that day. And they're thousands of years old. What if he's buried in a bog? Well, it's funny you say that because most of this conspiracy, if we're talking about like where the fake cryo or where the cryo chamber is, if it's in Disneyland, a lot of people think it's under the Pirates of the Caribbean ride, which is partly the reason why the ride has never been touched. Ever. They have never updated that ride since its inception. What? Pirates of the Caribbean at Disneyland? That is like the longest standing ride in the entire park. So the conspiracy is that underneath the water, deep, deep down, is like a hidden chamber which hosts a permanent, like, cryo tank that holds Disney's body. Oh my god, so... uh, (laughs) I hate it, I hate that. Could you imagine if something goes wrong and you're just on that peaceful-ass ride and, like, all of a sudden this giant ice cube of Walt Disney floats up to the top? Or, or even scarier, you look down into the depths of the water. Oh, and you God. you see his head looking back at you. Does anyone know how deep that water goes? I'm very curious about what is in that. I mean, also to think about how disgusting that water must be. That's like decades and decades old water, I'm assuming. That ride scares the shit out of me. Because it's not a healthy place to be. It's not healthy to be in there. It's because if, you ever, if you're on that ride and you look and you're on, like, the boat, right, there yeah. are other, like, little channels of water that the boats that don't have people on go into and there's a couple of them throughout the ride Mm -hmm. and i'm always wondering like well what's behind there where do these boats go Mm -hmm. they're going into the chamber where walt is somebody's tending to it i'd be very curious to hear about any of the the anaheim park employees who've had any experiences with this rumor in particular and like the pirates of the caribbean riot hosting the body of disney there's also rumor that um Actually, I don't even know if this was a rumor, but, like, back in the day, uh, one of the skulls, like, the skulls that were was seen on the ride was an actual human skull. I've heard that, and it's true. I believe it is. I mean, that wasn't very—it depends on when the ride was um, created, but this is actually a really common thing that used to happen in Hollywood I read about a while ago, 
where it was a lot more expensive to make prop skeletons as opposed to buying actual human cadaver skeletons from like a medical supply company that was a lot cheaper like people who donated their bodies to science imagine you donate your body to science and you think it's going to go towards like cancer research like finding a cure for something and you just end up on the pirates of the caribbean ride forever forever above a bunch of plastic booty (laughs) (laughs) like just plastic jewels (laughs) You're probably stapled into like a wall. Like well, you're, you're hot glued up there. Haunted. Like I feel like a lot of the Disney stuff is haunted. It has bad vibes for sure. But that is the conspiracy around Walt. Do you believe or do you not believe? I believe it for sure. I believe. I mean, he's so rich and he's so afraid of death. And the only other thing that's like kind of like this weird 1950s, 40s like dream or 60s dream is like it's just that era the 1900s like the latter half is like self-preservation in the face of like nuclear destruction so how do we like protect ourselves from that we won we build a bunker underneath what he deems probably like the utopia mm-hmm. and then or he freezes himself because he's like oh of course like in the future this makes sense but they're dumb and they don't realize that like that's they're killing their brain cells by freezing it. they're just killing themselves or maybe it's just, <laughs> i mean it's it's his well it's his last resort really i mean if they're telling him like you're about you've got a month left of your life you might free if you're terrified of death you might freeze yourself if walt came back <laughs> if he just somehow reappeared I think he'd actually die of shock. <laughs> he'd see some gay people in this park getting proposed. Some Stop. Disney adults running down the street tackling him. I hope nobody thinks that this podcast is homophobic, and I hope they they get who who the hosts are. <laughs> no, I they, think they this just see some gay people. Extremely homophobic. I'm a really I'm a I'm a straight guy. Obviously, oh, you're gonna make me lose every single sponsor. Okay, I'm gonna get off the Walt Frozen thing because I'm tired of him. I'm going to get into some Let it go. Let it go. Honey, I let it go a long time ago when Sun and I split up from Vegas. Let's get into the dark, dark stories. I'm going to talk about suicides at Disney. No. (laughs) No. No. Now, this is an unconfirmed urban legend, but it's actually attached to a picture, which I can send you at some point. Now... This does get substantially darker. It is reported that back in 1999, there was a very specific event that happened at Disney, specifically within a small world. Have you ever heard that story? No. What was the event? No. The story is recounted by, um, I think I think it was a woman who was telling the story, and she remembered something from her childhood when she was like maybe like eight or nine, riding a small world uh, with her parents. So while they're riding on the ride, everything is fine. I find that ride so deeply disturbing. I think it's horrific. It's so dark. It's incredibly dark. But if you remember anything specific about that ride, this may not be the case now, but back in the day, the uniform of the people who worked the ride was red overalls. Now, this girl was riding the ride with her parents and everything's fine. When all of a sudden she remembered the boat stopped, the music stopped, the floodlights came on, like all of like the ceiling lights And immediately, employees came out to usher everybody off the boats, and someone came over the intercom, and they said something to the effect, they were like, thank you for joining us today at Disney Parks. Please, uh, like, see the attendants who will help you to exit the ride and safely exit through these side doors. And they specifically say on the intercom, 
Keep looking forward. Keep looking forward. No. Now, before they were ushered off the ride, her mom actually had like a wind-up, um, like some kind of like a film camera or something, but she had like two pictures left on it, and you have to go through the entire roll before you can get it developed. So everybody just knows your last few pictures are like bullshit pictures. She was just taking random pictures, and she happened to take one um, while it, the camera was flipped up, and it was of the ceiling. Now, nobody really knew what happened that day in 1999 after they were, you know, ushered off and, and what was going on in there. Eventually, when they get those pictures developed, they look at the picture of the ceiling that was accidentally taken. Directly above them on the ceiling is a person hanging from the rafters no. in red overalls. No, 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 no. I hate it. I hate it. A park employee. It is such, in a small world, it is such a sinister sinister eerie picture to look at how did they get up there i don't know it reminded me a lot of like the the urban legends of the wizard of oz that in the film one of the munchkins hung himself and it was actually caught on screen and made it into the final cut of the movie i think that was eventually dispelled or either that or it was edited out and like remastered (laughs) but it's very much that feeling of like something went wrong and something was inadvertently captured while on a ride like the small that is world dis- so disturbing it's disturbing i know is it though it's a small world i mean the 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 <laughs> i can't even talk i'm you so can't. afraid <laughs> well the little well, dolls are broken half the time so they're all twitching like they're not like moving like how they used to because the ride's really old there are some creepy employee um conspiracies about those dolls a lot of people who work that ride say that sometimes they come there in the morning and the dolls are in different locations which is different no like like the dolls are in different places which is which is scary i know no 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 i don't want it i don't want to think that way well let's get into something even darker on this note about disney Park employee suicides. This is what I'm going to get into Disney Paris. I'm going to have so many nightmares. I know. Euro Disney. I'm getting into your... Listen, I kept this actually relatively light. light. From the things that I was reading about, like, some stuff that I would say borders on, like, dark fan fiction. I read some horrific story about, like, someone going to the abandoned resort of Disney. And, like, they find a back room where there's, like, a Mickey someone in a mickey costume in there alone it it like literally dead sh- wait, 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 do, no just sitting there what on the ground and then gets up like <gasps> the, no when <laughs> i heard the story last night i was literally my heart was racing i should read it to you on the podcast at some point but it was freaking me out like you could not imagine and they were like i found this mickey costume but it didn't look like a normal mickey costume it was like inverted as if it was like a negative photograph and completely tattered and had patches on it from decay. And then, like, suddenly the costume starts moving. Oh there's, my some, God. there's somebody inside it who's, like, in that abandoned resort dressed as Mickey Mouse. It's James Charles. <laughs> that would be the only thing that would make me feel like I would have a leg up in that situation. <laughs> no, but James Charles is so tall, so that would be really scary. He's extremely tall. Extremely. I've seen him in person. Now, hey, sister. hey sisters, get yeah, ready with me great. for my 23rd birthday. <laughs> now, no. let's get back into Disney Paris, a.k.a. Euro Disney. Oh, my God. Now, 
This was not the only instance that I was referring to of Disney cast members um, and employees who were committing or attempting suicide within the parks. Now, I mentioned before that when Euro Disney came to be, Euro Disney was not fully owned by the Disney Corporation, which became a problem for like the managerial process of like how the park was being run. So when you get these people who don't know how to run theme parks and don't know how to manage workers under those conditions, you get some severe exploitation because budget cuts come in because everybody gets concerned about the bottom line. Now, at the time, there were confirmations of a lot of stories coming from labor unions about just how bad Euro Disney was exploiting the people who worked there. I mean, extreme, extreme. And then all of a sudden, these stories start coming out about this bizarre subservient culture um, that Disney as an entity was perpetuating in the Euro Disney park. So the story is that this has, in combination of all of these things, has long attributed to some of the most morbid catastrophes of cast members that they inflicted upon themselves while they were working at Euro Disney. One upon of which, themselves? Upon themselves. So this is where it gets into like some of like the psychological breaking of the and this again this is a conspiracy but parts of this are backed up by substantial fact now one of these instances would include one of the disney chefs who apparently was so overworked he jumped in front of a train and (laughs) jumped in front of a train and then almost immediately after i think the day after another chef also committed suicide from working in the Disney park. And it's not clear if he committed suicide in the park because Disney would never, never publicly admit to that. But his father apparently went to news outlets to say that after his son committed suicide, he went to his apartment to like move things out. And what he found etched into the wall was scratched with a fingernail said, I do not want to go back to Mickey's. What? I do not want to go back to Mickey's. Where is the Mickey's? Like, just referring to Disney, like no, Mickey no, no, Mouse. No, no. Yeah, like it's like it's a sight, like a psychological twisted grip that the park had on these exploited, overworked employees. And this bizarre phenomenon of employee suicides seemed to continue when a gardener at Disney, I think that same year, was called into an office or reprimanded or something by his boss at Euro Disney, proceeded to leave the office doused himself in gasoline and attempted to light himself on fire in broad daylight in the middle of the park. (laughs) Luckily, somebody tackled him before he could do that. So this was an attempt and he did not complete it. But because of all of these bizarre instances, there was this massive overhaul where Disney invested tons of money. They cleared out all management and they took the reins and they said, we're going to run this like a theme park. There is no way we can continue with whatever's going on here. Like there is very clear and dark exploitation happening. So you can't really, I don't know if I could say that Disney was at fault, but clearly there was like outside management that was enforcing some bizarre internal Disney culture that was like preying upon the psyche of overworked people. Oh my God. That's, that's incredible though, that like the real Disney stepped in and was like, you're hurting our brand and then saved it. Yeah. I I was going to say, I was like, it might just more so be like, them saving their own ass because it could be i mean their name is attached to it it's a disney park so you can't really have employees like jumping in front of trains and like lighting I'm themselves on fire some advertising for euro disney and like see what it looked like because i can't even wrap my head around what that could look like bonjour welcome to euro disney <laughs> wasn't that great um, <laughs> that was yeah it's 
well, when I was there, it was very much like it's just a smaller Magic Kingdom. It really, it's just Magic Kingdom, and it's small. It's just downsized, yeah. And there's like the Hollywood Studios part. It's just not that. It's just it's just a carbon copy of it. It's like not that impressive. Did you know that Hong Kong Disney they have a haunted mansion, but they're not allowed to call it the haunted mansion. Yeah, it's like the Phantom House or something. No, no, no. They're not allowed to reference ghosts. So I, I was learning this um, while I was doing research. There's a cultural distinction, I guess, in most parts of China where referring to ghosts in that way, I don't know if it's considered disrespectful, but it's it's culturally inappropriate. So Haunted, Man- Haunted Mansion is called like Mystic Manor or something in, Ma- in Mandarin. And it has absolutely nothing to do with like being haunted or ghosts or anything like that. It's just like interesting artifacts in this old house oh that's so boring (laughs) i know but i kind of want to see it (laughs) i want to find a video i do want to go see shanghai disneyland because they have they're like so technologically advanced in the park with the projection system oh shoot and like the money that they threw at the set pieces it's supposedly like stunning i bet it would be beautiful that might be the last thing that i would do if i ever went to um uh disney in china or if I ever went to China, I, th- I think Disney would be, like, off the table, probably. I feel like I'd have better things to do. Yeah, but I, I, I am a sucker for Disney because I want to – the smells bring me back, those memories, and I, I need to go smell what the Shanghai is all about. Did you ever see those casting calls for, like, um, working in, like, a Disney Shanghai as a prince? I used to get those oh, all the have time. I? Yeah. Yes. Have you, have oh, you auditioned yes. for it? Have you gone out for it? No. I would rather uh, die glass. <laughs> Wait, I think you could play, you could be a great Disney prince. I feel like we could play those. That can't be that hard. You just have to be like and where the wigs tall. that they give us. No, well, I've never seen. I've <laughs> that's never where seen you draw the Disney line. The wigs are actual hair. It's always some weird wig from Party City, which is strange because if we're talking about the tunnel system and that full service salon, I thought the salon was so you could keep the haircuts of the princes and princesses. No. <laughs> I would not have been louder. You got what you got? No. Now, Mr. Jack, I'm going to wrap us up here with our final urban legend. Are you ready? We've Get gone on for me. quite a bit about these. I feel like we've gone through the Rolodex of Disney urban legends. We're going to be banned from Disney. Oh, you think I'm getting a brand deal after this? I was, t- I was hoping to like... For them, I guess. I was hoping to tap my management and be like, can you get me to the premiere for The Mandalorian? You think that shit's happening for me? That already happened. (laughs) I know. No, they're going to have another one. The LA one happened. I was like, maybe the New York one. Will they fly me out? I could do the carpet. (laughs) That's that's not going to happen for me. Not a chance. Mickey's listening right now. (laughs) I know what you said. Why is Mickey considered the most sinister Disney character, the Disney universe? I feel like there must be... Because he's a capitalist. But uh, there have to be like other cartoon Disney characters that feel creepier than him like i don't know about like donald duck i don't know no, about him no, no donald duck is not someone to be feared at all goofy also scares the shit out of me goofy scares Who? the sh- goofy scares the shit out of me well have you heard the have you heard the conspiracy about goofy no what what do you mean so goofy supposedly um, i'll find the video it was crazy goofy it was crazy is- guys it's crazy, guys. Listen to this. <laughs> Goofy's actually hyper-intelligent and is smarter than 
anyone in the in like the cast of characters. Okay. And he dumbs himself down to get into like to get what he wants. Because no one would ever suspect Goofy to being evil or anything. Because huh. he's putting on an act. It's an act, Silas. I'll find you this video, and there's, like, evidence in, like, the Goofy movies that he's putting on an act. Oh, that's eerie. I don't know if I like that. I don't like the idea of, like, animated characters having hidden agendas that I'm not aware of. I don't like that. Oh, my God. These animated characters have full autonomy. They're I, real. I can't deal with the sentiment Soon there's going to be that. AI Disney characters that will just speak for themselves. Why is it that... These characters, like, if I, okay, they feel inherently scary to me. If I was to see someone in a Mickey Mouse costume, like, at night somewhere, do you know how deeply haunting that would be for me? Why is that? Why is it, is it because it's, like, out of context of where it's, like, um, liminal's not the right word, but it's uncanny to see that out of the context that I'm expecting it? Is that why, maybe? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's not how it's usually presented. Yeah, not a fan of that. Well, I'm not a fan of you. Oh. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What's Let's the get last it. One? We're going to get into the last urban legend. And I feel like I should have ordered them differently because I think the suicide ones were heavier than this one. But maybe not. This one's pretty damn dark. And it is all allegedly, allegedly, almost verifiably true that this did happen. Oh, my God. Now. Oh, this is the next couple of legends. I don't know if there's multiple here, but I guess we'll find out. Now. The next couple of legends have to do with the, oh, with an abandoned portion of the Disney park system. And the first one I want to talk about is the project of Treasure Island. I feel like it was supposed to be Pleasure Island. I'll have to recheck my research on that. So this was a small island that Disney had secured um, right off the coast of Florida, which would be turned into Treasure Island, uh, which has kind of had this theme of like, like a pirate's refuge. Like that was the the vibe that they were going for when they were constructing Tortuga. it, right? Exactly. But it later turned into more of like a zoological experience and they renamed it Discovery Island, which I'd never heard of this. This was like well before my time. Now, the draw of that would have been, it just would have been an extension to the Florida parks where like you could go and see wild and tropical animals, right? Right. Now... This is very, very well documented, this. So there is quite a bit of truth to this of some of the disturbing and unsanctioned animal killings that took place within Discovery Island under Disney's watch. So the problem emerges from wild vultures. So they had these like wild animal sanctuaries, right? And wild vultures were just basically landing there and they were taking over the park. And for various reasons, it might have been like they were there for food or whatever, that would have been a problem, like a safety issue for park goers. So Disney had to pull some legal loopholes to secure a permit in Florida to capture and safely relocate a hundred of these wild vultures. They were allowed to do it for a hundred of them. There were hundreds. Now, something much, much darker happened here. So the initiative failed, and eventually an investigation was opened in the 80s, which showed that park employees had been viciously, viciously killing these vultures. They were trapping them and beating them to death. And they were destroying nests. They were crushing eggs, crushing their heads. And these vultures, the ones that they did catch, I guess they had caught like, they they were legally permitted to catch a hundred of them. And they had apparently captured more than 200 of them, 70 of which were found alive and had been crammed 
into windowless sheds with no air ventilation and almost no food or water. Sheds that were basically spaced and sized for the capacity of three vultures max. 70 in one of those. No. Like unbelievably horrific animal conditions and abuse. Now, following the conclusion of the investigation by 1989, the extent of the animal cruelty was unimaginable. And there was a host of specific employees who were operating Discovery Island who were charged for a total of 16 counts, I believe, of federal animal cruelty. As which, they should. Yeah, ex- well, listen to this. So <laughs> this is when Disney, I guess, jumps in to the conversation because they don't want this coming out as like a PR blunder or something. Right. So they were able to basically negotiate a legal loophole around this where they're like, we can funnel money into this and we can clean up our act for sure. But we we have to drop the um, we have to drop the charges on these employees. All charges were dropped because Disney agreed to this. And Disney never had to admit any wrongdoing, even though hundreds of these animals were, like, viciously caught and beaten under their directive. So the park was actually still allowed to operate, I think, for more than 10 years after this all went down, until eventually in 1999, it it just completely vanished. I think it was due to, like, worsening states of the weather and the climate. Like, it was repeatedly getting hit by hurricanes and it was no longer going to be safe or sustainable for Disney to, like, operate this with any kind of... It just wasn't going to live up to, like, the version of the park they had imagined. So I guess I the... I've never heard of this I know. It, no, it is a super, super... You can still find pictures of it, I think, online. But it's a super buried part of Disney's history. So what happened was they took all of the wild animals that they had living on this little island. And they relocated them over to what is now known as Animal Kingdom. And if you go to Animal Kingdom today, there is a designated portion of it, which is called Discovery Island. Oh, my God. Yes. And now (gasps) the the actual Discovery Island, it's just this little abandoned, wretched island. It's horrific. Disney still owns it. It's moss-grown. You can see it from the park. It's like a moss-grown relic in the distance in Florida. That is so unsettling. Deeply unsettling. I don't know what I'm smelling in the background right now, but I think it's... You're having a stroke. I think it's... (laughs) It's the smellitizer from Disney. (laughs) It's like the smell of deeply burning popcorn. I don't know who who would be making popcorn right now, but... It's It's Mickey. Pop, pop. Mickey's in your house. You better watch out. Stop. That's deeply unsettling. But that is it, Jack Dylan. Those are all the Disney urban legends and conspiracies I have. Again, purely, purely intended for entertainment purposes, not intended to harm any one person or a company. And they I'm do not so necessarily reflect unsettled. our views. Are you unsettled? I wanted I'm to very make you unsettled. I was actually looking over my shoulder. Jesus Christ. A lot. Um, <laughs> Which one got you the like worst? flash images of all these things. It was oh like really God. scary. Damn. Am I a decent storyteller? Is that, you what are. Is, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Oh. But also, like, on a level where I was, like, having, like, as you were telling the history of certain things, mm-hmm. I was getting, like, the thing that happens to me when I'm, like, there's something in the room with me. Jesus Christ, um, you're having visions, presence. Which kind of, like, scared me because I was, like, I haven't had those for a while. Oh, my God. Specifically never in my own bedroom. Mm-hmm. But it started happening a lot when you were talking about Discovery Island and also, like, talking, like, mentioning Walt. 
Discovery Island, doesn't that inherently just feel like it has bad energy around it? Like, I don't know if it's that era of Disney, like the 80s of Disney feels like a seedy time. Yeah, it sounds like a horrible place and I never ever want to go. There's um that's not the only abandoned portion of Disney that they have. I think they had a they had a water park that never saw its way to fruition because the water had become contaminated. I don't know the full breadth of the <gasps> story, but like the water became contaminated. I don't know if this is back in the 80s or 90s and it killed like three children. It became contaminated. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, contam- I'm having chills right now. I I'm, I'm having a reaction. <laughs> And I think I know what it is. What is it? It's the it's the suicide. That's what did it? Oh, yeah. I was going to say, I was like, Walt freaked you out? I was like, this abandoned... No, no, no. Like... It's the suicide because that's what's happening right now. What? I'm literally having flash images right now of the suicide. And I haven't seen this picture. But if you send me this picture and it's what I'm visioning right now, I'm going to freak out. What do you think? What do you think it looks like? I know what it looks like. You're talking about the small world one, right? Yeah, it's like a kind of a blurry picture. Okay. And I don't want to send it to like you. The, I feel like it's going to be bad for you. I don't the, I don't want you to see it. I'm seeing like the red I'm seeing like the red of the like the overalls, but it's kind of like at the top of the picture. So eventually just basically just what I described. <laughs> <laughs> So the thing that I told you of what the picture looked like. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, allow me to I'm introduce you to Hackery, to Hackery 101, taught by Jack Dylan. <laughs> I'm going to see if I can even find the picture. Yeah, I got it. Oh, it is, it is ominous to look at. I mean, when I first rode that ride, I was having a deeply, deeply disturbing experience solely because, I think I told you this, um... There was a child who was sitting in, like, the boat in front of us who just, like, turned around and looked at us with this expressionless face for the entire ride. And we were so unbelievably uncomfortable that we had to overt our eyes from a child. He had no no life in his eyes. Don't look up that picture. I hear you typing. Don't do it. No, I need to look at the picture right now. Jack, don't do it, baby. (laughs) (laughs) No, I need to. Um, <laughs> oh, is it what you think it was? I got a new audition. Sorry, I'm getting. Oh. <laughs> um, you, I hate that. Did you, you you found it? No, I was oh. looking at the. I was visceral reacting to the audition. I have to. <laughs> I, I hate it. Um, suicide. Healthy things to be looking up at night. Good things to be looking up Disney at night. Real Positive overall. things. Disney Small World. I think you could literally type in Small World Suicide and you would get it. <gasps> Fuck. Oh my god. Are you deeply unsettled? Severely unsettled? Oh my god. The drama this- in your voice right now. My god. Also, I should preface, we do not know if this is confirmed as true. This could very well be, like, some fake conspiracy shit. Like, the, I, that's why I was prefacing. I'm like, you know, all of these are just urban legends. However, I did get, like, freaked out about the red overall thing because I was like, well, is that even true? Is the small world uniform the red overalls? It was. It actually was. And I think timeline-wise, timeline that did line up with when she said the picture was taken 
which I think was 1999. Did you just get that picture I just sent you? No. Did you text it to me? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. What are you going to send to me? Please don't let it be foul, whatever it is. I don't like what I'm looking at. (laughs) This is a picture. It looks like a back room at Disney in an attic, some kind of a huge attic. And it looks to be what I can only guess is a Disney employee who is playing basketball, even though there is no basketball hoop um, with someone who is in a goofy costume. This is what the Disney prisons look like. Disney jail. (laughs) This is it. This is the Disney jail. This is actually behind, um, I think it's your uh, apartment. This is behind your apartment. (laughs) This is, (laughs) I can't say that. (laughs) Dang. I have to be on good behavior. This is such, such a long podcast that I'm most certainly, it's not going to be edited. So it's just going to be an unedited podcast. (laughs) It's a, it's a full, it's a full, um, it's like the beginning banter, cut. that's going to have to go for sure. But the majority of this, I think, will go raw. Raw. Oh, I was going to tell you this. I almost forgot. So when I was talking about the other places of Disney that got abandoned, there was that water park that was that had like brain-eating amoeba <laughs> because the water wasn't properly chlorinated or something. But the other part that was abandoned <laughs> was this resort that Disney was building called Mowgli? Mowgli's Palace? Do you know Mowgli? Mowgli's Palace. Mowgli, yeah. You know about that? No. Mowgli's Palace was from, obviously from the Jungle Book. Mowgli, Mowgli? That's how you say it? Mowgli? Yeah, Mowgli. Um, Disney, I don't know where this was, if this was in Florida. I kind of vaguely remember it being like something Disney wanted to extend to the Bahamas, but that wouldn't really make sense. Mm. Um, basically, they were trying to like clear out a bunch of land where people had homes <laughs> and they were going to build this giant resort um, with that theme. And they tried to sell it. Like, this is going to be so great for the economy and like, you can all work here. And it was just this, it was supposed to be this dream thing, but it met, it was met with so much public disdain and outcry from the people of that area that eventually, like, even though Disney started the construction and like had essentially finished the place, they invested $30 million it never opened. It's an abandoned project. Oh my God. And it just sits, it. it just sits there to this day as this like weird haunting, I don't know, ambition that was met with like such public disdain that it, it just like failed before it even started. I don't know. There's something odd about that, about something that was intended to be like a buzzing, hopping, you know, exciting place where you could go with your family and it was Disney themed and, it just sits empty. It just sits abandoned. Yeah. I hate that. I think that. Disney's a really fucked up place. I, I mean, if there's anything that this podcast episode hopefully has convinced you of, it's that Disney is quite possibly anything other than the happiest place on earth. And um, we'll never be working with them anytime soon. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, like, no premieres, no movie deals nothing I, I i don't even think they'll they'll sponsor this podcast through programmatic we'll see um <laughs> but with that i'm gonna wrap us up jack dylan thank you so much for giving me your time Anytime. thank you so much for going down this rabbit hole of disney conspiracies and urban legends um we should do this again you're a great co-host on the podcast you're actually oh wow, thank you so much that's that's for the creepers to decide no i think they they've already decided no you were that was great um 
I think that they would love to have you on again. So we will have you back. Creepers, let us know if you would like to see Jack as a co-host down the line. And we can maybe do a part two to even darker Disney conspiracies. They all say no. (laughs) 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 They're like... They're like, we hate this guy. I just get, get private out. emails. They're like, get that fucking hack off the air. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Who, who's that guy with that voice? I don't Some, like him. Somebody keeps sending. So like, I have like a joint email. Um, I have like a couple of emails, but there's one that I share with my management. So I see everything that comes through that. Somebody keeps emailing that. And they keep like emailing from text. Like they're texting an email and they keep sending a picture of like this random kid and they're like can you write a creepy pasta about him and call him by this name and it has to include like they're like feeding me all these weird details and it's Ugh. clearly like somebody who's either their friend or somebody they hate and they're like write a terrible creepy pasta about him he has to die in the end <laughs> and then like we've never responded to them but they keep incessantly messaging us <laughs> and sometimes they'll send like six emails in one sitting. Oh my god, you have to you have to you have to send a cease and desist. I mean, we just delete them, but like it's it's their persistence is crazy cuz like they actually changed up their strategy where they blocked out the person's face. They like started by just sending the person and they were like, "Okay, how about now? Cuz now you can't see their face. Now will you write a creepy pasta?" Disgusting. It's whoever's horrid. doing that, you better watch out. It's you. It's, it's, it's you. It's me, guys. Oh, and with that, we're going to say goodnight. I hope everybody has a wonderful time. Thank you for listening to Creep Time, the podcast. We will see you on another one. Bye. Goodbye, everybody.